You're listening to Health Call Live, the area's only live, local, interactive radio hour devoted to you and your health. Watch the video live stream on the Health Call Facebook page and call us with your questions at 447-1190 or toll-free at 800-333-1190. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. Well, hello again. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for making the Health Call Radio Hour a part of your busy weekend. I hope you're going to find it worth your time today because we're going to visit a research laboratory at Tufts University where they now have evidence that might just help protect your brain against Alzheimer's disease. You know, this form of dementia, it's going to become a significant public health crisis in the decades ahead as all of us baby boomers cruise into our 80s and our 90s. The number of us are going to need care, the cost of that care, and the impact it has on our families, that's just hard to exaggerate. So that's why I jumped right on a report showing that a common virus might actually trigger Alzheimer's and that inexpensive plant-based compounds might be protective. So let's jump right to the bottom line with Dr. Dana Karens, PhD. She's a research associate at the Kaplan Lab at Tufts University. I asked whether their work means carefully chosen supplements should be part of our daily diet. That's a great question. Um, so one thing to sort of, you know, preface everything with is that these were laboratory-based studies. They weren't done in people. And, and so you kind of have to take some of the findings a bit abstractly. But in general, yes, they do seem to suggest that, um, you know, supplementing your diet might might actually benefit you in the long run in preventing Alzheimer's disease. Oh, that's fascinating. So let's back into how you, you learned this. So my understanding is you sort of simulated a human brain in a Petri dish and then exposed it to a virus. Now, what's a virus have to do with Alzheimer's? So actually, um, herpes simplex virus one, which is the, or HSV one, the virus that causes cold sores, that's what it's predominantly known for, um, has been speculated to have a causative role in, in sporadic Alzheimer's. It was first postulated in the early 90s, and a lot of research has come out since to suggest that um, having an infection like this may actually trigger uh, some of the characteristics of Alzheimer's disease, which include beta amyloid plaque formation, uh, phosphorylated tau, and, and some of the other neurodegeneration uh, effects, such as cognitive um, failure. And so this uh, in vitro model basically utilized that whole concept to take these, these small brains in a dish and infect them with that virus to show that they also uh, would develop these deleterious plaques that are found in Alzheimer's patients. Yeah, so when we're talking about plaques, we're really talking here about a combination, a collection of proteins, right, that form on the neurons and sort of gum up operation of the brain. Do I have that right? Yes. The, the herpes simplex virus, the cold sore virus, seems to cause the formation of these plaques. And then what did you do to, to try to attack these plaques and dissolve them? So actually, we've looked at more, uh, more from a preventative standpoint. So we were essentially treating okay. these these brains with these compounds at the same time of infection to show that if if you um, treat these brains with, for example, resveratrol, some of these other compounds uh, in the presence of virus, they actually don't develop Alzheimer's uh, characteristics, which is pretty uh, striking to think about because uh, I think is is beneficial from the standpoint that you could be supplementing your diet with some of these things 
as a, as a younger person or throughout the course of your life to potentially stave off future neurodegeneration. So I have this virus. So many of us carry this virus all the time. Do we know what, what lights it up? Is there something that, that causes it to kind of jump into this mode where it's damaging to the brain? Yeah, that's a great question. So like you said, most people just carry it all the time in, in latent form. So that means while you, you have the virus present in your body, it's not active. There's no active infection. Um, even, even people can carry it asymptomatically and have no cold source, for example. So what can happen, uh, particularly in, uh, you know, the elderly or the immunocompromised is you can have some sort of triggering event that causes reactivation of that virus and allows it to even penetrate the brain <clears throat> in which case, you know, that, that virus can, can trigger this beta amyloid cascade and, and cause these plaques to form. So for example, some triggers we've studied in our lab, uh, we recently published a paper that uh, demonstrated that the another virus, the virus that causes shingles can cause this kind of triggering event. You know, a lot of older people will, will come down with shingles and then, you know, kind of shortly thereafter will find themselves unfortunately with some cognitive decline. So there's, there's sort of a connection there. And then also um, head trauma is another one we've looked at in, in our system. And we have found that um, even mechanical injury can cause, can cause a, a triggering of this uh, HSV-1 reactivation and downstream effects. So uh, shingles is caused by the varicella zoster virus. That's the that's chickenpox. So if you've had chickenpox, that virus is in your system. So does that tell me that is having the shingles vaccine, for example, the new Shingrix vaccine that's out today, is that going to help improve my chances of avoiding Alzheimer's? It, it, actually, yes. So there have been population studies that have shown um, by a colleague of ours, in fact, that if you, people who have received the, the varicella vaccine actually have reduced incidence of Alzheimer's disease uh, later in life. So it's, wow. yeah. Good, good. Another reason to have that vaccine. How does the virus cause the plaque to start forming and gumming up my neurons? Yeah. So, so the school of thought is sort of that the HSV-1 uh, infection kind of induces this amyloid response. So initially the formation of these proteins uh, is in some ways beneficial because it it's induced and it is meant to kind of trap virus and get rid of it. So that's kind of uh, how that works. But unfortunately, what happens is is that it can't always be cleared. Once these proteins build up in, in trap virus, you, you can no longer clear it. And the accumulation of these proteins is what, cause, what causes um, the neurons to die. It causes uh, impaired functionality of, of the brain network and signaling and, and that's kind of what happens. So the brain is trying to protect itself from the virus by creating these proteins that are sticky and gum up the neurons and trap the virus. Do I have all that right? Basically, so when, it's, when it first starts out, they're in kind of a soluble form, which means it's a, proteins are, are very fluid. And so unfortunately what can happen is, is once too many of those proteins have been generated and, and coagulate together, that's when, when the problem starts. And there are people who are uh, kind of genetically predisposed to having that happen more often, or, or they can't clear those plaques as well as, as other people. Fascinating. All right. So now let's move to, we've, we've identified what might be causing these plaques. So the idea here is to try and prevent them. And you tested a lot of different 
compounds. Give me an example of what you tested and what worked the best. Sure. We, we tested some that are, um, so we first sort of scanned the literature for different molecules and compounds that may be implicated in this disease based on their role in other diseases. For example, um, green tea catechins is one that's known to be anti-inflammatory, has kind of a role in cancer. So we were thinking um, with neurodegeneration, there's, there's a big role of inflammation as well. Maybe some of these compounds can be used in this capacity as well. So some other ones we tested were um, curcumin, which is found in uh, turmeric, you know, common spice, um, metformin, which is a, a drug uh, prescribed for diabetes and actually has been, uh, I think, recently postulated as a, as a weight loss drug. Um, so that's, mm-hmm. that's another one. Um, and resveratrol, which, as you mentioned, is, is found in, in wine and and a lot of other foods, and that's one that's um, gained some attention as an anti-aging compound. All right, so all of that is worth a moment to recap. Curcumin, green tea extract, ECGC, and resveratrol, those are the three things you may want to add to your diet if you believe they could help keep you sharp and prevent Alzheimer's. No guarantees, but researcher Dana Karen says they did help in her laboratory at Tufts University. Stay tuned, and you're going to learn more about these compounds, whether you need to take them as supplements, why getting vaccinated against the shingles virus may help protect your precious brain, and some evidence that a particular medication does seem to be effective if the virus linked to Alzheimer's is already in your body. Those are pretty darn good reasons to stay with this, but if you have to run, I get it. Weekends are busy. You can always look for the podcast of this episode wherever you get your podcasts. Or look for the video version of this interview on the Health Call website. That's at healthcall.live. But the smartest thing to do right now is just stay tuned for more of the Health Call Radio Hour right here on WoWo. You're listening to Health Call Live, your regular Saturday morning appointment with healthcare professionals, where treatment is always painless and there's never a copay. Here's your host, health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. Welcome back. If you are just tuning in, we are talking with Dr. Dana Karen's PhD, a research associate at Kaplan Lab at Tufts University, where they simulated a brain grown from human cells and exposed it to the cold sore virus that may just be in your body right now. These cells started producing proteins that can build up over time in the brain and are thought to be a factor in triggering Alzheimer's disease. More importantly, They discovered that plant-based compounds, curcumin, resveratrol, and green tea extract prevented this from happening in the lab, in that Petri dish. Now, what happens in the lab is one thing, but your body has what's called the blood-brain barrier, a way to protect your precious brain from exposure to chemicals and contaminants in your blood. The obvious question for Dr. Karens is, can taking these compounds as supplements reach the brain and help prevent Alzheimer's? Right. That's a a good question. And some, unfortunately, don't. I mean, there have been studies that have have looked specifically at the pharmacokinetics of some of these uh, molecules as it pertains to other systems. Um, But some, for example, um, like curcumin has been shown uh, to be detectable in the cerebrospinal fluid of the brain. So that's one that they know, you know, can penetrate and and has been shown to even bind to... um, some of these amyloid plaques in in animal studies. So so there there's certainly more plenty of room to um, explore this 
this idea of, of enhancing some of these mo molecules to better penetrate the blood-brain barrier to increase bioavailability. Because there's no, like you mentioned, there's no guarantee that just ingesting these uh, these supplements will actually make it to your brain and, and have the effect we hope it does. But there's something going on. I mean, I've seen I've seen research that indicates people on metformin have a lower rate of Alzheimer's than others. So somehow there's something happening there, right? Right. Yeah. And, and um, Alzheimer's has actually been called uh, diabetes type three due to its um, you know, it's correlation to insulin resistance and, and things like this. So so it's it's possible that there's a, a connection there with with how metformin works in in um, treating diabetes as well. So where does your research go from here? What do we use? How do we use this information in the lab? Yeah. So I think there are a few avenues uh, research that we could pursue from this point. Like you had mentioned, one uh, one focus might be to understand the kinetics of some of these molecules in animal models. So you can't um, necessarily understand uh, how these molecules may get into the brain in the absence of doing some animal studies. Uh, there can be, um, you know, other options to modify the, the drug delivery of some of these, these compounds. And, and one thing we're also interested in is, is really understanding, um, you know, outside of the, the supplement side of this story, we want to understand some of the um, the additional triggers that can reactivate uh, HSV1 to cause Alzheimer's. So I think identifying some of those triggers can really help to inform, um, you know, future downstream treatment strategies to prevent um, prevent Alzheimer's from occurring. Do, is there a connection if I have frequent fever blister outbreaks? Does that make me more inclined? Do you know anything about how any relationship there? Or is it too soon to say? <laughs> There actually is a, a connection there. So, um, so the the gene that predisposes people, or the gene variant that predisposes people to uh, to Alzheimer's disease, also predisposes them to some of the manifestation of, of HSV1, such as cold sores. So, this gene called apolipoprotein E variant four, mm -hmm. um, people with that um, often exhibit, you know, increased cold sores and some of the other common manifestations of HSV-1 and unfortunately are also at much higher risk of, of Alzheimer's disease. So that connection does definitely exist. And there has been um, studies to demonstrate that um, receiving a course of antiviral treatment at some point in your lifetime, for example, if people who are prone to cold sores often will be prescribed Valtrex is the most commonly, uh, commonly known drug for that indication. People who have had repeated courses of Valtrex have been shown to have reduced risk of Alzheimer's disease as well. So interesting. So tell me about uh, what your research has meant in your life. Now, are you, have you changed what you're doing? Are you now taking any supplements because of what you found? Well, I've, I've been uh, prophylactically drinking red wine for, for years. So that's, <laughs> that's um, <laughs> yeah. really, doctor, it's, a, it's, it's for medical purposes. But yeah. you have to have, I mean, the concentration of resveratrol in red wine is, is minuscule compared to what's thought to be effective. So a supplement is about the only way to get enough, isn't it? Right. So, I mean, the, there's pros and cons with that as well. I mean, anytime you, um, so supplements aren't regulated by the FDA or any other kind of True. regulatory agency. So when you, when you do take supplements, it's important to kind of do your research. So there's that, but, but I certainly take, um, take some of the, you know, I've, I've 
drink quite a lot of green tea. Uh, resveratrol, I, I do try to take um, and it, their natural forms. It's not just in red wine. It's also in a lot of fruits and, and nuts, which is um, mm-hmm. which is good. And curcumin, you can you can incorporate into your into your cooking. Again, that is Dr. Dana Karens, a research associate at the Kaplan Lab at Tufts University. A couple of quick follow-up notes here. She is absolutely right. The FDA does not inspect supplements to see that they contain the advertised amount of ingredients and that they are safe. That is why it's important to choose supplements from a reputable manufacturer. The cheapest one on the shelf is a false economy. One thing you can do is check the label for the letters GMP. The FDA requires manufacturers of products labeled with GMP to verify that every finished batch of supplements meets specifications for identity, purity, strength, and composition. What's not clear is how much of these compounds are necessary to get the protective effect we're looking for or if they work at all. That's going to require more research. Before you add any supplement to your diet, check to make sure it will not react with medications you're taking or aggravate a pre-existing condition. She also mentioned Valtrex as a medication that can minimize the impact of the cold sore virus as a spark for the plaque development. Valtrex is an oral antiviral drug. It slows the growth and spread of the herpes virus to help your body fight off infection. Now, it treats many forms of the herpes virus, including genital herpes, cold sores, and shingles. It does require a prescription, so talk to your doctor. Discoveries in the lab, they're exciting, but they don't always prove out in everyday life. But wouldn't it be great if this one did? And we could use inexpensive supplements to help protect our brains. I'll keep an eye on this research and keep you posted as it moves forward. All right, time for a break and to hear from some businesses I hope that you'll support because they support the Health Call Radio Hour right here on WoWo. Podcasts by Federated Media. 